I invite you to take your Bible and turn with me first to 1 Peter chapter 4. As I said earlier, we're going to be thinking upon uh, that article of the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And there's, of course, much that can be said regarding what that uh, confession means. Uh, But I thought we would focus especially on uh, the way in which the Spirit causes us to share in Christ and all of his benefits and how it's reflected for us here in 1 Peter 4, uh, specifically verses 12 through 16. So 1 Peter 4, beginning at verse 12, this is the holy and inspired word of God. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice, insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler. Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. So far from God's holy word. We're going to turn now to our catechism in the back of the hymnal we sang from. To Lord's Day 20. You'll find that on page 880. The single question there regarding, again, our confession that we believe in the Holy Spirit. So I'll read the question and we'll respond together with the answer. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, that the Spirit with the Father and the Son is eternal God. Second, that he is given also to me so that through true faith, He makes me share in Christ and all his benefits, comforts me, and will remain with me forever. So far from our catechism. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the basic uh, reality, the gospel reality that undergirds all that the Apostle Paul has to say for us here in 1 Peter 4 is summarized by the catechism when it says that the Holy Spirit makes me share in Christ and all his benefits. And here the Apostle Paul, uh, rather Peter, the Apostle Peter explains to us what it looks like and the pattern that our lives will take when we share in Christ and all of his benefits. What pattern do our lives take when we have this confession and make this confession that by the Spirit we share in Christ and all his benefits? And it's interesting to see, firstly, that the Apostle Peter shows us that to share in Christ and his benefits means that our lives will follow the same pattern that Christ's life followed, namely one of suffering unto glory, suffering unto glory, right? That's the basic ideas contained for us here, especially in verse 13 and 14, right? It says there, rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Suffering and glory. And I said earlier, this is the pattern that Christ's own life took. Notice, for example, back in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 11. says there, regarding what the Old Testament prophets looked forward to, it says this, Concerning this salvation, 
The prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories, suffering and glory. Notice again verse 21 of chapter 1. There it says, regarding, going back to verse 20 rather, Speaking of Christ, the Lamb of God says he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead, sufferings, and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. And one more verse from Peter, in chapter 5, verse 10, says this as a benediction to the church, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. All right, and so you see this basic pattern emerge throughout Peter's letter here, that the Christian life, as we share in Christ, shares first in his suffering, that we might then also share in his glory. And so as we have uh, these few moments uh, here to reflect upon the work of the Holy Spirit in uniting us to Christ, that we might share in him and his blessings and his uh, benefits, we're going to look at these in uh, two parts. First, sharing in Christ's suffering today and sharing in Christ's glory when he comes again. And this is the basic pattern of the Christian life. And so Peter says, That as we have come to be united to Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, a mysterious reality yet a wonderful reality um, in the Christian life, that as we come to share in Christ, our faith is tested and we share in Christ's sufferings, right? As he says there, I'm going back to verse 12, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, right? So there's a purpose to these trials that come upon the Christian. And he says, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. Now it's interesting to compare what Peter says here to what James says in James chapter 1. Similar idea, but there's different uh, points that are emphasized. So James in chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 says this, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Right. So James is holding out to us uh, this reality of saying that we ought to count our our trials uh, as joy because of what they're ultimately producing in us. Right. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Peter likewise is telling us that we ought to rejoice in our trials. But he holds a different motive before us. Rather than holding before us the end, only the end, of where it all is ultimately leading, Peter is saying that we ought to rejoice because we share in Christ. Because through our sufferings, for the name of Christ, we are in solidarity, in union with Christ. There is a fellowship, a partnership that our sufferings reveal namely a fellowship with Christ. It's the word koinonia that is used here uh, throughout uh, this, this chapter. And so Paul, Peter rather is saying 
that we ought to rejoice in our sufferings for the name of Christ because they reveal our solidarity with Christ, that we indeed have our share in Christ, that we are not suffering merely because of wrongdoing as murderers or evil doing, but rather we are suffering as a Christian, as one who shares in Christ, as one who, as one translation I put it, we are Christ partisan, right? Think of a bipartisan thing, like there are different parties that are involved or we are Christ partisan, as you can translate it. We are our, our part, our share is found in Christ. Our association is with Christ. And our sufferings, therefore, do not tell us that we are far from Christ, but that we are near to Christ. Our suffering does not say we have been abandoned by Christ, but rather that we share in Christ and we are associated with him. And we ought then to rejoice in these sufferings as we share in Christ, because they testify not to God abandoning us, but to God being near to us. And in fact, Peter in this these uh, short you know, few verses here explains to us that it's nothing less and no one less than the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who is with his people even in their suffering. And it's his presence that gives us every reason to rejoice when we suffer for the name of Christ. For example, the Father is present as Peter speaks to us regarding these fiery trials. Now, we don't have time to look at the Old Testament background for this. I think especially he's drawing from the prophet Malachi in chapter 3. But the fire of God in Malachi 3 is one that dwells in the temple of God with his people. And Peter, by speaking of the trials as fiery trials, is speaking of the refining presence of God our Father among us. The purpose of these trials, the purpose of them is like fire to refine gold, to take that which is precious, to remove all of the alloys and all that is not gold and to strip it away from it so that what emerges is gold alone. And this is the presence of God the Father among his church as the new temple of God where God's presence and his glory dwells. Not only is the Father present, but as we've been saying, where Christ is present even as we share in his sufferings. This is reflected by the apostles themselves in Acts chapter 5 when they had been beat for the name of Christ by the Jewish leaders. It says there in Acts chapter 5 verse 40 that the apostles took his advice and when they had called in the apostles, rather the Sanhedrin took their advice, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and to let them go. Then the apostles left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. For the name. So as Christians, we ought not to suffer for wrongdoing, right? It's not a matter of saying, well, I'm suffering because I'm a jerk or I'm suffering because I did this and that. And therefore, this is the sharing in Christ's suffering. No, to share in Christ's suffering is to suffer on account of the name of of Christ, for owning Christ, for living for him, for confessing that he is Lord and living accordingly. And so Christ, as he promised his church, is with his people even to the end of the age. And not only the Father and not only the Son, but the Spirit is also present among his church in the midst of her suffering. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, Peter says, you are blessed 
because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Notice Peter is not saying the spirit of glory will rest upon you in the future after these sufferings are over, but in the midst of them, the spirit of glory rests upon you. Just as the fire imagery went back to the Old Testament in Malachi, had its background there, uh, so too this way of referring to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of glory also goes back to the Old Testament to the prophet Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 11 verse 2, it says there regarding the Christ that the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And we know that this prophecy was fulfilled when Christ was baptized and the spirit like a dove descends upon him. And the Spirit then, throughout Jesus' whole ministry, rests upon him, even as it leads him into the wilderness and ultimately to the cross. And that's important for us to see, right? The Spirit, as it rested upon the Christ in his earthly ministry, did not lead him in a triumph over um, uh, uh, Rome. It did not lead him into comforts, but rather led him into the wilderness and ultimately to the cross itself. And yet the Spirit was with him, upholding him, strengthening him in the midst of all of this. And Peter is saying that as you have come to share in Christ, so too that very same spirit rests on you, rests on you in the midst of your suffering, strengthening you and leading you as it led Christ to the cross and through the cross to the crown. That's why he is called here the spirit of glory. He is the spirit who leads us to the glory of Christ. And how does one get to the glory that Christ has obtained? In the same way Christ got there, through the cross, by bearing our crosses. Jesus himself says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And Peter is saying that that reality, though it is hard, And though it could be overwhelming, and though it could feel difficult and lead to much heartache and pain in this life, even as Christ was led to the cross to be crucified, yet we ought to rejoice because it means we are sharing in Christ. We are sharing in his sufferings now that we might share in his glory to be revealed. The Spirit who dwells among us, the Spirit who rests upon us is the Spirit of Christ. And just as... The glory of God led the people of God in the Old Testament through the wilderness to the promised land. So too the spirit of glory who rests upon us leads us ultimately to our heavenly home into the glory of Christ. And so not only do we share in Christ's sufferings, but because we share in Christ's sufferings, we are sure that we will also share in his glory. And the link between the two is unbreakable. And it's unbreakable because the spirit of glory rests upon us today. This very same pattern the Apostle Paul speaks of throughout his letters. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12 says, If we endure, we will also reign with him. Romans 8, verse 18, If indeed we suffer with him, that we also may be glorified with him. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11 Paul says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Right? This basic pattern is true of the Christian life. And therefore, 
we ought then to recognize that the glory of God is present where his church is enduring even for the sake of Christ, where his church is suffering for the sake of Christ. And so as we think then about what it looks like to live as those who make this confession, right? I believe in the Holy Spirit. To make that confession means that I believe that I have come to share by the Spirit in Christ and all of his benefits. And therefore, I do not despise weakness and I do not despise suffering, but rather I recognize in the midst of the suffering and in the weakness, God's glory is present. And though his glory is presently hidden from the eyes of the world, right? The eyes of the world look upon a suffering church and a suffering people and they say, of course, there is no glory there. It's devoid of all glory. But rather, with eyes of faith, we recognize that the spirit of glory rests upon us. And therefore, we also do not despise weakness, but recognize that in our weaknesses, the power of God is put on display, as even the spirit of glory sustained Christ in his suffering, in his humiliation, in his weakness. And we also then recognize that suffering is not the ultimate end of God's Church. It's not our ultimate end, but the spirit of glory is leading us through the cross to the crown from suffering to glory. And therefore, we anticipate that we will one day come to share in the fullness of Christ's glory. That's what Peter holds out before the church. Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. Rejoice in that. Know that in them you are sharing in Christ. That you also may rejoice, right? So there is rejoicing now. And there is an intensified rejoicing and a gladness when, Peter says, his glory is revealed. When Christ appears again, then the rejoicing that we have now in the midst of our suffering will give way to rejoicing in the glory of Christ, in coming into the riches of our inheritance. And so this is the basic pattern that the Spirit of Christ presses his church into and is pressing our lives into. And therefore, we ought not to ooh and ah over the powerful, the rich, the influential of this world because that is not where the spirit of glory rests. The spirit of glory does not rest in the penthouses. It does not rest in the offices of the CEOs. It does not rest in the White House. It does not rest anywhere but upon the church of Jesus Christ, upon the Christian. And as he rests upon us, he leads us to take up our crosses, to follow Christ, that we might share in his suffering, that we also then might share in his glory. And therefore, the spirit of glory, as it rests upon us, gives us comfort in the present and also leads us into the glory of eternity even into the glory of Christ, who is our head. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are among us, that you are with us, your people, and that the sufferings that we endure for the sake of Christ in this life do not testify to your absence, but to your nearness to us, even as we are being conformed to Christ and share in his sufferings. Father, give us eyes to see the spirit of glory resting upon us here. And may we endure that we also might reign with Christ. 
And may we, Lord, be conformed to his sufferings that we also might share in his glory that is to be revealed. And so may we not despise weakness, but may we own Christ, may we walk in his ways, may we live for him, come what may, that we might also again reign with him and and share in his glory forever and ever. May you press us into that image more and more, into that pattern, that we might take up our crosses, that we also one day might receive the crown of life, even the crown of eternal life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.